It's very interesting because all my publishing life prior to that, everything, I mean, it started off on uh, sort of properly on weeklies, which is which was just relentless. You'd, by the time you kind of got a chance to have a look at the, the paper you'd, you'd, you'd made, you, it probably wasn't even there. You were probably, it was just be, it'd been sold out and you were just waiting for the next one to go on the shelf. So it, it really was just a production line, whereas monthlies are, are, are different because they are, you know, there's a, a fair bit more love and and argument and uh, a debate goes into each one as you're looking at imagery and stories and things like that. So by the time it gets out, it's uh, it, it's uh, you know it's quite a creation. fascinating are the characteristics behind many different brands. Some of them are outgoing and energetic, some are a little bit more laid back. So in this podcast, we look to explore all the different characteristics, not only of the brand itself, its roots, its origins, but the people behind the brand. And is there a bit of a relationship between the characters of the people and the characters of the brand? All right. Well, good afternoon, good morning, and welcome wherever you are. And welcome to this episode of Legends of the Brand. And today, uh, we are going uh, off the ski hill, and we're going into the world of media. And we're talking to Richard Dickey Fincher from Fallline Magazine. So welcome, Dickey, and welcome to welcome to the program. Hey, Phil. Very, very, very jolly to uh, to catch up with you. So yeah, great. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, it, it did make me chuckle a little bit because obviously we're we tried to do this in the new technology way. First of all, didn't we? Trying to do it with the Zoom and everything like that, and, and it just uh, technology didn't seem to like us today. Um, I, I, you know, I think that's I think that's a message because. Uh, as you know, sort of four line stands for uh, uh, old school magazines, and uh, even though we were one of the first out of the blocks with a website, it's never really been our, our primary thing. So I think for for this conversation to be limited to to <laughs> old style, just talking to one another, is in some way a representation of of of, of the of the brand itself. Maybe. Oh, that's so. all right, then. That's good. <laughs> But I was very impressed because you have a very impressive book collection there, and and as you, as you correctly said, because you showed you you showed me that they're all real. It's not a it's not a Zoom background or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. we've uh, we've seen far too many of those. I think probably over the last few months in terms of lockdown. Um, have you uh, obviously you've survived lockdown for for all intents and purposes, and, and you were you you've kept your your head above water and everything's hunky dory. Uh, yes yeah it seems to be i think it's uh it's a it's a it's a very holistic thing isn't it lockdown it's it's you know is the business going to survive oh, it looks like it is um is the uh is the family going to survive looks like it is you know am i uh, uh sitting between the two of those things also going to come out of it the right side uh i um well i i, I mentioned to you earlier that i uh in the first lockdown i lost uh 120 grams which I was enormously proud of. Uh, so I think, I, you know, I, I, I did pretty well, uh, pretty well, uh, given uh, all the temptation that's there when you're just sitting around staring at a screen looking to uh, turn it into something. Yeah, no, I totally agree. As, you know, we broke up the, the port and the cheese the other night, kind of thinking, well, we can't take with us into spring. So, um, but uh, <laughs> we'll probably come to lockdown a little bit later on. But um, for those of you who don't know about about you, I was wondering if you could perhaps just give us a little bit of a background in terms of you and your journey and uh, how you kind of stumbled across into snow sports um, and how you kind of, yeah, how you kind of made your way to to this part of the industry. Okay, uh, it, it's very fair to say, and anybody that's uh, that's watched me uh, is I am not 
coming from this from the natural skiing point of view. Uh, I have definitely come into it from a journalism and uh, uh, an editorial background. And um, uh, so the skiing came a bit later in life in that I never really went with my folks or anything like that. I started actually when I was at uh, college, at Navy College, and uh, went a few times and thought, this is good. And it built that, built from there. So very much a, a classic, your friends get you going away and off you go. Um, so from the writing side of things, that started you know, on and off over the years as you, you kind of have an interest and then it slowly becomes obvious that you can make make a career out of this. Uh, and it's always been in specialist media, so which uh, which has got, you can, you can interpret that in many different ways. There's some sort of very special sorts of specialist media, which uh, are extremely, uh, extremely lucrative, but uh, not quite as palatable. Uh, but the um, versions that I was involved with was uh, sort of horses, motorbikes, fishing, that sort of stuff for a big company called EMAP. Um, and EMAP had a look at the ski industry. I was uh, heading up a project to look at the ski industry and see whether it was worth getting into. And we went a long way down the path. And that's where I met most of the uh, publishing people in the ski industry and a lot of the industry itself. At that point, that would have been when I was in my kind of late 20s, I guess. Um, and, so two uh, or three years ago then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's about 2000, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and that's right, <laughs> two or three years ago. And um, uh, it was, um, so yeah, so that's when I we I sort of got genuinely interested in the industry. I, by that point, I had been skiing uh, pretty enthusiastically uh, for, for the last few years. So I knew that it was something I was interested in. Um, but to turn it into... A, uh, a way of life wasn't something I was strictly looking at. Um, and they're not, as is often the way with these big companies, big reshuffles, opportunities to step off and do something else. And I thought, you know what, that thing I was looking at a few years ago, that looks interesting. Wonder if there's uh, any legs in it. And then uh, a few of the contacts were still in place. And I uh, jumped aboard with Fall Line. Um, which uh, with a guy called John O'Toole, who is one of the most charming and uh, enthusiastic human beings. He's he's back in New Zealand now, but uh, so he did the sales side of things. I did the kind of editorial, and we and we that's where we got going really together. And what sort of um, timescale years are we looking at with regards to that? When the two of you kind of joined forces? So Fall Line started in 1990. Um, and was very much at the cutting edge at the time. Interestingly, uh, and I'll, I'll sort of come back to this, this a bit later, but Fall Line and how it serves what other people aren't really doing uh, was a reason for, for its existence in the, in the very start when the photographers um, got together and really wanted a guy called Tim Barnett, uh, who's based in Chamonix, started it. Um, and obviously, the photographers are taking fantastic images with fantastic skiers. But a lot of them weren't getting shown. There wasn't really much of an outlet for it, apart from powder over in the States. Again, something we'll talk about in a little bit, um, where actually a lot of the outtakes or just the bespoke photo shoots, which didn't suit the brands that needed them, uh, had nowhere to go. And so uh, Tim and a few of his colleagues went, right, we're going to put them in a magazine and it's going to be called Full Line and we're just going to deal with the best photography. So that's kind of what it was. It was the place to get the best ski inspiration uh, around um so 10 years later 
in about 2000. That's when I kind of started getting interested in the in the market, and it was about 2003, I think, that I bought into it with Jono. So it's been uh, so I've been doing it for 18 years now, 18 years, and been involved with the market in in terms of the whole thing for just a touch longer than that. Wow, that's I hadn't realized that it, it uh, had started back in, in in the 90s. I thought it was much more of a uh, uh, millennial type of publication. That's pretty cool. So, and you you've, you've touched on the fact in terms of it's it's a aimed at being a uh, an outlet for photography and for great inspirational photos because that was one of the things that you know i was quite intrigued to find out is what is the reason for fall line because uh from my you know recollection understanding of, of the marketplace at that particular time obviously in the states you have powder you had ski you had skiing everything but in the uk there was probably just yourselves and the daily mail ski magazine wasn't there there's pr- maybe one or two others or is, is that about right uh, yeah that's that yeah, back at the very start, that, that I mean, that when I was involved, we had a magazine called Document Snowboard. We'd got Document Skateboard as well, but skateboarding was just dropping away. So I think uh, I was pretty well got involved at exactly the point that that was being closed. <clears throat> um, Document Snowboard lasted for about another five or six years. Um, uh, and then again, because it, ve- it was playing to a younger audience who were very happy to move online. Uh, and already were online there was just uh, white lines left for a few years and then that uh, went away um so the snowboard market was was already in a state of flux probably when i was involved with it um the ski market yeah there's there's always been a few uh, titles out and about but in general it's just the in terms of the monthlies it's just been us and what was the daily mail uh, and then became the daily telegraph uh, and and uh, I guess now you're pretty much the last one standing to a certain extent, really, aren't we, you? Yeah, that's us. Yeah, absolutely. We are the only uh, newsstand ski mag left, which is um, which is bonkers. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know you uh, you walk into even these days, you walk into like W H Smith or you know whatever, and you know the the racks are still full of of many different titles, many different magazines. Of but obviously the the snow side of things has definitely definitely tailored off um what was it uh, what's it like when you've built something like that over the years you walk into uh, a store and you turn and think you you see that 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 thing that you've made i mean imagine and once it's kind of exciting with the other side I kind of go oh thank god that i put that one to bed and oh jesus we've got another one coming up next month as well well yeah i mean it, well it's very interesting because all my publishing life prior to that everything i mean it started off on uh, sort of properly on weeklies, which is which was just relentless. You'd, by the time you kind of got a chance to have a look at the the paper you'd you'd, you'd made, you, it probably wasn't even there. You were probably it was just being it'd been sold out, and you were just waiting for the next one to go on the shelf. So it, it really was just a production line. Whereas monthlies are, are, are different because they are, you know, there's a, a fair bit more love and and argument and uh, a debate goes into each one as you're looking at imagery and stories and things like that. So by the time it gets out. It's uh, it, it's uh, you know it's quite a creation. Um, so seeing it on the newsstand is a joy, but it, bizarrely, by the time I see it on the newsstand, I think thank God it's on the newsstand. Right, it's in that shop. I don't need to complain to our distributor that it isn't. So I, you know, in a way, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of a of a um, uh, one of those uh, 
it's not a negative, if that makes sense, which sounds a really bizarre thing, because obviously I love it, and when I go in there, I always make sure I pull it to the front and block out any other potential competition and generally mess around with their careful magazine layouts. Uh, because to be in a, a shop, to be uh, to have your magazine in a shop costs money. We don't make a, a penny on the newsstand. In fact, we lose quite a lot of money because you have to overprint because they always have to have some extra copies left that they can't sell at the end of the month to make sure you reserve your slot for the next month. We have to pay quite a lot of money because we're seasonal. So they go, well, where are we going to put your magazine? It's not there in the summer. We, what are we going to put there in the summer instead? Uh, oh, I know. We'll charge you a bit extra because there's a space there that we won't fill up, which, of course, is filled up. But uh, So it's all a bit – it's a bit of a game um, getting something onto the newsstand. And I've got to make it sound complicated to try and put off anybody from launching against us. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's all right. I mean, it, it it is. There's still a romance to to publishing, to uh, writing, and everything like that. And you know, I think to have something tangible in your hand is, uh, in terms of a, a piece of publication, there's just something a little bit. Yeah, I, I'll use the word romantic again because it is. You know, something perhaps that sits on the coffee table and. Yeah, I mean, even during these these months of lockdown, I really enjoyed walking out and getting a newspaper. You know those you know those things I've, I've read and and um, flicking through that. There's just something about that. Maybe it's, uh, I'm showing my age here, but it's quite it's quite. I, nice. I, I have a nasty feeling it is your and my age both, uh, Phil. But 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 there's nothing wrong with that. So. Uh, one of the things in in the world of of giant company media we used to eat ourselves with was, oh, the um, audience is quite old for this title. Um, I mean, Fallline, we've seen it move quite a lot. But then because of what Fallline does, it sort of did move a bit. So when Freestyle was big, we did Freestyle, and our average age came down a fair bit. And it wasn't that we'd lost a load of the people who like great photos. All that happened was the great photos were of Freestyle. And... Um, and so you've got people who'd sort of seen it as a bit of a National geographic kind of thing, maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm possibly flattering myself a little there. Uh, and then to people who were going, oh, I really like the content and the pictures have got to be great too. And then as it's got a bit more free ridey and backcountry and whatever, and then, so the age has gone back up again. Because, I, I mean, the the thing about young kids watching freestyle is it does look good in video. I, I Much as I like seeing a moment captured, um, Watching somebody actually do it is is good and immediate and wonderful. So you could never really say, "Hey, freestyle." You know, the X Games should be judged on great photos. It's it's just not going to happen. So um, you know, so we look at, um, at trying to put great images and, and and things down, and we have to move along with what that reflects. So backcountry is 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 big now. It's, it's, it seems to be an aspirational thing. Free riding is aspirational. Uh, and that's a great thing to have in a magazine. That's um, that's because you can sink into that and go, gosh, I really fancy doing that. Or maybe I won't do it, but it's just really nice to know that other people are doing it. And that's, I think, perhaps what a magazine can do. And it doesn't make your eyes go weird either, which is uh, which is another positive thing. Uh, well, yeah, there there is that. You can read it at, uh, at night, and you don't uh, end up staying up uh, too late unless you want to read the next page, mm -hmm. next article. Um, it's 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 interesting that you mentioned about how you 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 know captured um, the freestyle or free ride because I imagine when the uh, publication first started, and though you're obviously reaching out to the the photographers, um, you know, 
did you have in in in, in collectively in your head uh, that individual who you wanted to speak to? Was it uh, was it just to inspire them in terms of photographs, or did you want, or did you have a message or an ethos that you wanted to share with everybody um, in the magazine? So every month it came out, and, and and you wanted to share something with them. Did you? And has that changed over the years? Do you I, think? I, I think the you always try and do this because it does uh, get an ethos together because it does help. Um, when you're putting stuff into the mag, if you've got no brand statement, if you will, around it, then uh, it's a bit of a, a frustration because obviously um, people can't. What they can't do is is it, it, it's it's very hard to actually um, uh, write and design if you don't quite know exactly what the what the magazine stands for. So so yeah, you're right. We do do that, and what we do is is. We, we go for at the moment our little catchphrase is sort of for the complete skier but i think if we we're going to explain it a bit better than that it would be for people who go skiing rather than who go on a ski holiday um oh that's good I like so, that. yeah you know, so uh, and by the way please people keep going on ski holidays that's not that's not i'm not being snobbish here i'm just saying that if people want to go away and actually just being in the mountains having great food, slithering down a hill, getting a bit pissed, that sort of thing is very much your idea of stuff. But you don't sort of have this desperate urge to have a look over the next uh, hill. I mean, we Brits, probably when we go away, are are both great as far as the tourist board is concerned and also awful because we won't turn up at somewhere unless it's got 300 kilometres of pistes because we feel that we've got to kind of go round the whole thing. Whereas if you get into a more of a kind of European mindset, it's, there's a great piece here. I'm going to do it for the next, I don't know, 15 or 20 years until I get it right. And then, and then I'll sort of maybe do that one next door. And it's a really interesting way of looking at skiing. And so I think we're trying to kind of apply a little bit more of a, of a kind of mountain mindset, which is you can get a huge amount out of going down the same place. You don't need to go hunting these mega resorts. You can uh, you can get a fantastic, fantastic experience from lifting your head up a little, understanding a bit more about what's around you. Um, so even where the backcountry stuff goes into the magazine, a lot of people are going, well, I, I just don't really fancy walking up that hill. That just looks hard work. Why why build a lift? Uh, to which I would say about 80% of the time, I agree with wholeheartedly. And um, I at that point, you can still go, Oh, but that's really interesting. You know, the snow's over here because this. If I ski on these pieces rather than those pieces, they're going to be in better condition. I'm going to have a better experience. If I ski on these skis rather than those skis, I'm probably going to have more fun and more experience. So I'm going to try and build my knowledge up because, after all, it's a really expensive week I'm going on. And if I go out there pre-armed with a bit more than, you know, some euros and the Nordic Bombardino is a magnificent way to get pissed at lunchtime, then. You know, I, I think that's a good place to be. By the way, I do stress most heartedly that a Bombardino is, I think, currently my favourite way to get pissed at lunchtime and just after lunch as well, and perhaps even sometimes in the morning. So, Really? Like, you know, uh, that and some cornflakes <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah, I can see, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it is it's the most evil but fabulous drink uh, and, uh, uh, and fits in perfectly with uh, with almost anywhere, I find. <laughs> Fair. So, um, doing the uh, obviously visiting many different resorts. It's uh, 
I, there's a, a nostalgia, I think, of you know, depending on perhaps uh, say Austria or Italy or that sort of thing, where you might stumble across because you 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 stay within a resort, but you stumble across perhaps a little a little hut, and you have your your lunch or your your dinner. And I guess going back there year on year on year, the nice thing about that is you get to know the the people who uh, who run the huts and the little, little restaurants and everything like that. Um, do you have a a particular resort or particular location that you you yourself like to go back to year on year that perhaps isn't one of the the, the big locations? Uh, yeah. I, I I think uh, I I think I do I think I do. It's one. It might be one that I move away from at some point because it's tuned in very neatly with uh, bringing up a family. So, um, but I am absolutely convinced that the finest family resort on the planet uh, and a place that I have I love going back to absolutely love going back to is Kromplatz or also called Plan de Coronis in Italy. So you fly into Innsbruck, you nip over the border, and it's uh, and hang a left. And, uh, <laughs> it's just and it's just like... it's an hour away from Innsbruck, so it's oh. and it's absolutely wonderful. Um, just because it, it it's got no off piste, which is a bit disappointing. I mean, it kind of has, but you but it's a bit hard work. Um, which is bizarre because I love off-piste, and frankly, that's where I would find myself. But the pistes are extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. Uh, brilliantly challenging, really long. All of the mountains lives at the top or at the bottom where they've got the both great bars. So it's got that sort of lovely sort of Austrian-Italian stroke feel about it. It's a great grub um, and, uh, and, and, and fantastic fun bars, but then also real dedication to getting the pieces and things right, which is, you know, which is a thing. I mean, we tend to go at Easter and we have got photos of just us on the pieces. It's absolutely immaculate. And the Italians, by, by the time it comes to Easter, they've got other places to go. And very few people go there. And yet it's a, it is a, a monster in terms of its um, facilities. It's just that it doesn't quite fit with the way British people ski. So it's great. Hmm. But you, you did mention it's a good place for families. And uh, is there anything in, in particular that, that, you know, I mean, is it uh, just easy access for uh, younger kids? Is it just green slopes? I mean, you take your family there as well, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've taken, I've taken loads of families there and everybody that's gone keeps going back. So we, we've, we've taken, I'm like my own little tourist board for, for this place where, where people go, Hey, where should we go skiing? I just go, we, we're going here. That's it's as simple as that. And they go, Oh, all right then. And we'll go. And, um, uh, and they come and they go, Oh my God, it's great. And we only stayed at a, a sort of nice ish hotel, but not great. I think they've just like painted the rooms this year. So the prices have probably gone up, but um, it's, you know, it, and that's a walk away from the slope. So that's not great. But again, you kind of get the kids into that groove and off they go. And it, also if you go anytime from half term onwards, Italy's sort of fairly warm, so there's no, it's not like it's trudging through slush and stuff. It's actually quite spring-like. We off, we normally go at Easter, but we ski down to it's. I think the lowest bit is 800 meters. You ski down to 800 meters, and it's 25 degrees at the bottom of the hill, and it's, it's the whole thing is still skiable. I, quite what they do, I have no idea what they're putting in that snow. I I, I sometimes worry about drinking it, but hey, you know, it, um, <laughs> don't eat the yellow. It's not, it's not yellow. It's like it's full of stuff that keeps it 
snowy. But anyway, it's not. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. No, it's, 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 it's unicorn, unicorn dust. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, no, it's, uh, the reason it's great is because it's almost all the facilities are at the top. So once your kids get to a certain age, they kind of don't get lost. You just go, I'll see at the top. And you go, yeah, all right then. And that's it. You just... Uh, uh, and then at the the very bottom is where the little tiny didders start out. But in general, very quickly, you're straight to the top. You just go up on these big lifts. Of course, the other thing is Italy is where they make loads of lifts. And Kronplatz is where they test all of their bra big brand new lifts. So it's full of lifts, massive lifts, which just fire you all over the hill without any cues or anything. So it's so you just jump in a lift um, and off you, a lot of them are bubbles as well, which is great for nippers. And um, you, you're at the top of the hill, and then you uh, there are lots of ski schools there, and it's just a really gentle top of the hill, and it gets steeper and steeper and steeper and steeper as you get to the bottom, which is really exciting. So then you get spat out at the bottom in front of an, a bar full of adoring people with your legs in tatters and get yourself a beer. It's great. Or, or a bombardino. bombardino. Exactly. You've had a bombardino at the top to make there the run go. better. <laughs> yeah. All the way down the bottom, uh, yeah. Um, so obviously, you said it's mentioned. It's it's great for uh, for families. It's great for groups and everything. Like that. Have you have you and the Fall Line team headed out there as a as a Christmas ensemble or anything like that? Uh, no, um, we no. It's not the sort of place we'd end up really because we don't really do much peace testing. So so okay. so uh, so for us, we tend to go to well, we tend to go to wherever the SRGB goes, which is actually a test that we. Um, we sort of threw our lot in with. So there used to be, as you know only too well, there's the uh, Snow and Rock test, the Brigham's test, the Fall Line test, and the SIGB test. So the British ski industry, which is not a, a massive uh, <laughs> sort of industry by any means, had to s stump up for four tests. Uh, so this is back in the day. So when I first got it, we, would, we used to go to Zermatt. Now, if you want to organize a complicated test, you go to Zermatt because you've got to get everything there through the customs barriers. Uh, then you've got to get them up a train. Then you've got to get them on. You can't get any. You can't drive anywhere in Zermatt, of course, because of course there's no cars. So um, then you've got to transfer them all onto little electric buggies. Then onto a, uh, um, a lift, whatever, whichever lift you're going up, and then uh, onto um, peace bashers. So the idea of being able to just turn up and um, park your car at the current test as we do uh load unload your stuff in the back of your car and put them in your tent i mean that, that's we we never made it that easy but people did love going to zermatt they yeah. really did i mean that was a great place to go as you can imagine but it's it's not an ideal testing venue i have to say uh just from it's uh well it's, it's also quite fruity in terms of cost so <laughs> uh, but you, you and your fall line team, obviously going out and doing the uh, the SIGB test, everything like that. Um, how many members are there of of you and the fall line okay, team? Right. So the permanent members, if you will, there are about uh, six or seven of us. So that includes mm -hmm. everything from the admin team, who are great skier, the sales team, great skiers. Uh, in fact, every the great thing about the fall line team is I've always made sure I employ far far better skiers than me. So that the uh, the quality of testing uh, is is good, but uh, and then we've got gear testing where we've got the gear editor, uh, who, uh, Sophie, and then she is also uh, the ringmaster for a whole bunch of other people who are out there either you know in the right place doing the right stuff. 
Uh, we've got our backcountry editor Martin Martin Chester, who again is a, is a is a mountain guide and was one of the senior guides uh, at, um, at British Mountain Guides, um, uh, and also Plus uh, Brennan. So he again has a whole team of people who he can work with, um, and uh, and then uh, Nicola Nicola. Izard is the editor, and she is the is the Uber ringmaster, if you will, for all of the editorial contests. So her contacts spread globally, where she then looks at um, uh, all the features that have been created through. The, so she's kind of tuned into what's happening now, and is going. That sounds interesting. That sounds interesting. I mean, there's a bit of gravity around Fort Line in that when good stuff is going on, we do tend to hear about it, and so we'll know about. You know, if there's filming going on, if the photographers are out place, because we know a lot of photographers as well. They're all they'll say, "Hey, look, mm-hmm. I'm going on this location. I've cleared it with the brand. Do you want to have some stuff?" And we'll go, uh, "Yep, please. We'd really like that." So it's um, you know, so it's good, <laughs> and, and we work with the retail teams as well. As you know. So you know, we, a lot of our testing yeah. information comes back from the retail because we want to try and keep it very real because we've got to try and tune it into the. Um, into the the market we're selling to because it's very easy to create something that's fantastic but has no relationship at all to what uh we do from britain i mean much as you know we love japan and um, we love alaska and the canadian road trips and stuff but that's a pretty small tight community uh who we are trying to you know dealing with and trying to inspire people to say you've got to try that so japan i was supposed to go to japan last year i was supposed to go to japan this year it, I, japan is seems like my my never-ending thing i won't quite get to and yet every year i sign huge bills off for people who have gone to japan in my stead which is extremely tedious but they've probably brought back much better pictures than i could so that's fine <laughs> Uh, it's it's on it's on it's on the list. I tell you what, if you go, I'll, I'll happily carry your skis. I'd love to go. That's, yeah, that's on my exactly, list there too. Yeah. Um, but in terms of in in terms of this year, obviously being incredibly difficult, no matter which way you look for the snow sport industry. Um, if I recall correctly, you have a handful of people based up in Scotland who are actually currently out testing some of next year's product. Uh, is that is that right? Is is that how but, you're trying to get some of the content? Absolutely. Yeah. If season? the skis. If the test pools have made it into the UK, which of course in some cases they haven't, because of course the, the, the slopes aren't open. So um, even the even the uh, indoor slopes aren't open, which are, are actually a fantastic resource, but not um, they're, they're just not open at the moment. Um, so Scotland has absorbed some of the um, of the testing, which is great, uh, and um, and the. Uh, uh, this, a fair bit has gone out to France as well, where Nikki is. So Sophie's kind of an, an internet yeah. gremlin there. So yeah, I think you mentioned there that um, uh, Sophie uh, Sophie's mentioning is looking after stuff. stuff That's right, and then Nikki is handling uh, the uh, any testing that we can get done in France. So there's still you know there's still test pools. I mean, one of the things this year as well, of course, is there's a lot of um, uh, what, what's called carryover stock so a lot of the brands haven't massively updated stuff simply because a lot of the stuff they were trying to sell this year hasn't hasn't gone uh which is good you know it's silly to to uh i mean it was great last year it's going to be just great next so there's a, there's not an issue with that um so other testing you know uh, clothing things like that yes we're still getting through some of that i mean the great thing about scotland is it always is prepared to deliver something 
to uh, test you. So that's fine. Uh, there's uh, there's always uh, either if there's not snow, then there's some absolutely staggeringly uh, powerful, shall we say, weather coming through to uh, to make sure that the coat zip works. <laughs> I have I have visions of of your of your testers standing out there just. In battling the battling the elements with their uh, soggy pieces of paper and pencil, just kind of, I'm, I'm going to get this done for it's, you. It's, it, 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 it is, it's happening. It's definitely happening. I mean, the thing, you sort of see what's happening now, <laughs> because people are videoing it. But you're right. I mean, I, I think, yeah, the great thing is you can send clothing up to Scotland, and all they have to do is just wear it, quite possibly even inside, and it's given a pretty uh, thorough testing, certainly where some of the guys live. So, yeah, I, it's, it's fine. We've got we've got a good, uh, a good network getting getting valid stuff done so yeah brilliant yeah we want to make sure the stuff for the upcoming season because you've just uh this you uh, recently released the gear guide i think uh, no the no the, oh, the gear guide is our um uh, we normally get that out uh, well before christmas actually it's the the last one that's come mm -hmm. out is our uh, it, it's still got g in front of it it's our get out there uh guide so, oh, uh, so it's our kind of inspirational thing where we're going right okay let's see if there's anything to be gained from this season looks like kind of a bit thin really unless you're right next to it uh but let's you know let's start looking and getting excited about uh, about next season which it looks like people are which is good news which is yeah it's completely fantastic is there um just with all the various uh editions and and uh I guess covers and topics you've covered. Uh, is there an additional issue that stands out to you as the one that you hark back to as perhaps being the one that you you're most proud of? Um, and, and why would that be? It's interesting. I think the thing that we are—it's something we've only done in the last couple of years. But uh, a we got an amazing cover, a really amazing cover, and it was, I think. I'm almost certain it was uh, Nikki kind of sources a lot of the cover images and she said, look, here's something that'd be great. We've started doing our kind of eco stroke sustainable things. And I know it's really, really easy for people to go, Oh, I'm terribly proud of my eco credentials. And we work at them. Shall I say we work at them. We've been doing, um, you know, we've been on sustainable uh, forestry paper for a very long time. Uh, Water-based inks, because ink, I mean, you, you know, you only had to pretty well go into a printing. If you went into a press, you know, you could you could be, uh, uh, and you even thought about clicking your fingers and creating a spark, you'd blow that place sky high. That was the amount of, kind of oh, oh, yeah. that. I mean, oh, wow. yeah, setting fire to the press was a pretty standard practice. That used to happen, like, sometimes twice a night. <laughs> on some of the, you know, you just sort of, oh, the press is on fire again, never mind. But that's because you're firing, you know, oil vapor onto millions of tons of paper, uh, which is hurtling through a machine at about 60 miles an hour. So uh, the actual physical making of a magazine or a paper is, 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 a, is a dramatic thing. So getting away from oil-based ink and stuff is was good for both the environment and also for the health of people who were... Uh, who, uh, who were working in it? So, um, anyway, so that's that's a, that's a bit of old uh, oily uh, inky finger uh, knowledge for you there. Um, so the <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, exactly as a magazine as a, as an item. I mean, we we have we have to work hard, I think. And I've I've had a chat with uh, with uh, people who are saying skiing is unsustainable, which is really interesting. So that's so I'm sort of going. Well, I, I just don't think my audience is going to buy that, you know. 
it's you know i i, I get that mm. technically we uh, at the one level we just shouldn't travel and we should probably have a lot smaller families and that's kind of you know that's the one end of it um and at the other end there's the you know humanity has created just a huge amount of amazing things which do seem to in some way indicate some kind of progress and we should be trying to do some of them but in the most efficient way possible uh, and so i think that's probably where i come from I, uh, uh, from my point of view and um and so that's what we're trying to do with our eco issue and in fact in a lot of our stories now we talk hard about that about going here you go you know if you get some really good kit then you don't desperately need to change it every year i appreciate as 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 you and your world of retail it's nice to have people walk through the door but also you it's equally nice to have somebody coming in and going i'm going to invest in a really nice piece of kit and i'll see you in a couple of years time but maybe not for the same thing and, and i'll just keep seeing you just to update my my good kit when it's needed and that's i think that's kind of yeah. where we'd like to get people to 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 say look just you know it's that spend well spend once uh attitude yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I think there, there's, there's, especially in uh, this this industry, there's uh, part, part I think of our collective challenge is to, uh, and part of one of the reasons why I wanted to work on this podcast and speak to people such as yourself and the brands is to is to share the 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 value of everything. And when it comes to um, whether it's clothing, whether it's hardware, with all these different things, yes, I 100% agree. And it, it is much better for the environment, isn't it? To to be able to 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 buy once and buy better and 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 yeah, you know, it is a bit more expensive on, on the on, on the upswing, but you're not re, you're not replacing it later on. And I, I, yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. I, I love it. So it's nice to hear that. Um, obviously, you know, that's uh, you're approaching the environmental thing as well because you know, that's the aside from not just just yourselves, the whole. Um, paper and and you know the cost of transportation and all that sort of stuff i can imagine you know the, the, there is there's some amazing additional costs uh financially and environmentally about that so it's uh, uh thank you very much for for making the investment to to change your your processes to well, to make it a little yeah, bit I mean, more okay, right, here we go cheap plug uh the most efficient way we can get a magazine to somebody's hands is a subscription because Obviously, we only print the one magazine, and we know it's going to be read. And quite, it's all, they're all read by more than one person. So, if we put a magazine on the newsstand, we generally have to print. Uh, you know, even in our most efficient shops, we're going to have one or two left over. So, we might say put ten or twelve into a uh, into a shop, uh, but there's going to be a few left over, um, which go off to be pulped and recycled, mm -hmm. and that's fine because the paper, like I said, the paper is all recyclable. But it's that's a process. And that's some energy being used in that process. And it's some stuff that didn't need to be there in the first place, but they kind of did because of the way they're sold. So if you go, okay, um, a subscription gets you the thing you want. And it, you, we've only, we, we know that when we print that magazine, it's sold. It's not, it might be end up in the pulper. So, uh, you know, where maybe yeah. 10, 20, probably, you know, probably, you know, well over 20% of what we print is pulped because of the of the of the way things are distributed it could be more than that it could be less than that it depends how how an issue goes so so wow that's that, it's, that's, a, it's a lot that's but a lot. it's not, honestly it's nothing don't forget everything actually if you think about it every single book magazine everything you see around you that whole bookcase at some point is going to go through the pulper 
So, uh, you know, everything is going to, it's all going to go at some point. It's all going to get turned back into uh, stardust. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, some, we, we, so, and that's the thing. We just need to kind of think, you know, those, every one of those skis is going to get whatever happens to, I mean, God knows how you break down a pair of skis efficiently, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know that. So that's for a much uh, bigger topic. Um, you 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 mentioned uh, magazines going in the pulper, which actually leads us quite nicely into uh, <laughs> the topic we were chatting about earlier on. Was about uh, regrettably the end of Powder Magazine. Um, what are your thoughts on that? What do you think it means to to the magazine, the Snowsport oh, Magazine? Oh man, industry? I just think it's one of those things. It's what happens a lot is. Okay, I want to sort of diversify a little bit here, but I was chatting with an old friend of mine who was my sort of boss's boss back in the days of running um, the uh, uh, the in the big FTSE 100 company that I worked for, and we I was I sort of was dumped on a department probably against all of our wills uh, to to simplify it, and uh, and it was the fishing department, and it was doing fine. Every single magazine made a profit, and they said. If this thing cannot generate 10% more growth year on year, you've got to get rid of them. And I was going, I, I didn't think the plan, I thought it was just to make some profit, right? So profit kind of helps make things work and gives the shareholders something back and stuff. No, 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 they've got to grow as well. So, well, fishing hasn't grown for years. What's the point? You know, it's, it's, it's not a growing industry. And they're going, well, you know, and if, I remember having this real ding-dong with the guys going, I, I don't quite know where you're coming from here because you're looking at, you're looking at a, a market which is always which is run super efficiently because it's been around for a long time, but it's it's just not going to grow because it, it kind of can't. Um, and uh, and you know we have this uh, have this argument and we managed to not get rid of the entire um, fishing magazine thing, which would have been a ridiculous thing to do. But a big companies tend to look at things going, well, they're not very profitable. They're not this, that, and the other. I can do this, and I can repurpose, and whatever. So it means that even though it might be a much-loved thing, and they're actually, for a smaller company, it would be a nice little business. Like, I bet you if Powder was run by a couple of people, like Full Line is, God, I would love Powder circulation. I would love Powder's potential advertising. But, um, but for a big company, it just wouldn't add up. So that's why, you know, that's why when I was working at uh, the EMAP, we never bought the ski titles because they just go, it's not quite big enough, really. It's only a few million quid in total. You know, what's that? To, to which your answer and my answer would be, that's a few million quid. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Again, I can absolutely assure you with my hand on my heart, uh, I'm not divulging any kind of... Uh, uh, financial secrets here by saying fall line does not make a few million quid um it's uh, uh but so we're in a sort of situation where you've got titles that in a different environment would have survived and powder is one of those things which was doing a great job was inspiration to so many including not just inspiration to the people who were reading it but also it got generations of people into wanting to do the stuff that was in it so take the photos write the stories and all the yeah. rest of it it was it's a great mag i went over there i met the guys in fact bizarre, it was briefly oh, really? owned by this megacorp that i was involved with so and i was sort of thinking oh maybe oh maybe i could end up working with them oh that'd be great and then my life didn't go in that direction but um it was um uh so it was one of those things where you look at it and think, actually, there's easily life for something with great production values and whatever. And 
uh, and the fact that um, and, and good ed- good quality editorial, we 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 prove that. Um, but you've just got to have a bit of the will to do it. I mean, like I said, nobody on Fall Line, we it, it's not a particularly lucrative part of the market to be in. You know, when I first started in printing, uh, it was it was great because all the advertising had to come through you. You know, there was nobody else could get any of their information anywhere else, so you kind of were okay. But uh, but now that's not the case. So I know why it's under pressure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that kind of uh, leads me on to asking you in terms of you know, with the online world, and uh, obviously you, you guys have taken you know the 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 magazine much more digital, which you know kind of that's the way the world the world's going. So it's kind of a twofold question there. So in terms of you know with the online world, um, you know how how do you differentiate differentiate yourself to offer value to consumers when there's so much information out there, and then this in the same breath, you know. Um, you you've got a voice which is great. So if you have somebody else who's 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 got a, a ski related message, how do you how do you think that they can get their voice out there um, and still be heard? Okay. Uh, hmm. All right. The being heard in skiing thing is interesting and difficult because it only hits the market at certain times of the year, which is always an issue for it. I mean, you've got to be pretty keen on skiing to be following it three, six, five days a year. So. So it, it's a tricky thing to do, and I certainly think, much as I'm I'm not a huge enthusiast for them, but you know your social medias and your things like that are a way to understand if your voice has got any relevance and traction to it, because at that point people will go, oh, quite like the sound of this, and then you can go, well, maybe it needs something else around it, some other product uh, around it to to make it more more tangible. Because otherwise, all it is is just some content on Instagram or Facebook or wherever. Whereas if you can then go, okay, fine, I, I think now it becomes this, some kind of uh, subscription thing or whatever, then that becomes a bit more a bit more interesting. But you have to create, you've got to get the content created and make people see it first. And, and that's, that's the route. These days, I would say it's uh, you. You can test it very clearly on social media, and then you can uh, and then you can see if it's got legs beyond that. Um, the uh, other bit, the the first statement that you you said, which is you know kind of what happens to, I, I think you were sort of going like what happens to print media and and. and- well, 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 I was thinking more in terms of yourselves. I mean, obviously, the fact you, you know, if you social media and there's so much content available and people can can get that information, um, you know, the the barriers to entry for what it is you're you're doing now, and the fact that you you're you're you've gone from being print based to being much more on uh, online, um, and so those barriers of entry are much less. How do you now add value to differentiate differentiate yourself across everybody else who also has access to many of the same? Uh, resources? What I'm going to do is I'm going to create loads of tiny crappy ads with everything written in every single word written in a capital <laughs> letter. Have you seen this thing behind her? You wouldn't believe it. Uh, and then I'm going to make sure that everybody has to click on a different thing to get the extra word from every sentence. And I'm going to make a trillion. I'm going to make a trillion by the end of this week. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. It's, it's uh, there is this, <laughs> or maybe maybe I'm not. Maybe I I'm going to just do the old fashioned thing of going. If you collect stuff together in a kind of edited format, what you can do is you can people go, yeah, I, I think I know. I know what I'm getting with Fall Line. I know what I'm going to get. In the same way, if they walk into a shop, you know. 
actually, mm -hmm. retail, I always consider to be the most exquisite form of magic. And I, 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 I adore it when it's done right. And, and you know, there are people in the ski industry, actually, who do it really well. Um, and because what you do is you go, I think I know what I want, and I think I know what these people are going to give me. But there's always, there should always be a fabulous surprise and something that makes you go, oh, man, I wasn't going to read about um, some guy's dog in, you know, a Whistler. But suddenly it becomes the most interesting thing I've read in that magazine. And I don't really know why, because I wasn't, I've, I've got no interest in dogs or Whistler really, but you know, I, and that's the thing, you know, suddenly you go uh, and you should be able to, it, it is very much, you know, the editors and the team's job to go, this is, this is the essence, you know, if you're into skiing, what are you going to be into? This is really tickling us at the moment. I mean, uh, Johnny, our, uh, our W2F, our what the fuck editor, he uh, has to comb, <laughs> comb the web and he, all of his contacts to go, how are we going to make people go, wow, this time round? And, he, you know, he does it. He just does it relentlessly. By uh, So you just know that page, whatever it is, it's one of the earliest pages in the mag. It's normally about page like nine or something in the mag. We'll, you'll open it up. And, uh, and what we then realized was that people weren't just interested in the picture because actually they can normally see the video of it. And, you know, we always make sure we give the link to the video. But then they go, well, how did this actually happen? I mean, nearly always. I mean, the other thing we always forget, of course, is that the stories behind all of this stuff, like the, photo the photographers are, are sometimes uh, better skiers than skiers in the pictures. I mean, there's been a couple of cases where um, uh, our guys um, have, have been out. And I remember Pally uh, Lermond went, went out and was getting really frustrated with the guys. And they were saying, you're not doing this properly. You're not doing this properly. Look, the camera set up. You hold it. Point it at me. And he just went and he got the shot. He got in the shot. Oh, really? <laughs> and, he's, and the guy went, hey, can I get the photographer's commission for that? And the, the, it was not, not, you know, we couldn't really print that one. It was like, no way, man. No way. You are lame. I am brilliant. Not only did I set the whole thing up, I then did it. And uh, it was, uh, so that's quite funny. You know, you get, but so you've got people like that out there trying to create that kind of stuff. And, and I think when you let it breathe a little, which you often can't do online because uh, I love where I end up when I start going down the online rabbit hole and it's always really interesting. And, um, and my wife is going, so what was last night's uh, thing? And I'll go, well, I'm just, trying to work out why uh, Aldebaran is such an interesting star. And she goes, you're not even interested in stars. And I go, I am now. And, uh, you, uh, <laughs> you know, so, uh, so you can end up in the most fantastic places. <laughs> but, but, but it's, if you're held at least with a theme by a magazine, then you can go, actually, I've, I've been lightly and lovingly edited into keeping my mind on the thing that I actually really wanted to find out about and now i know a bit more about it and that's good and I'm, I'm hopefully i've had some inspiration or i've gone you know what i do need to get a new hat or whatever you know something's happened somewhere down the line oh brilliant i love it right so we've got a few minutes left here so i usually like to to ask everybody uh, three questions uh and uh so i'd love to get your insight on this uh as well so if people had to take away a sentence or a phrase or a word that encapsulates the Fall Line brand, what would that be? Uh, I think I probably said it earlier. It's that whole thing about if you're a skier, we want you aboard. Um, you know, we, 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 we've got something for you. So, uh, so if you consider yourself to be a skier, 
then then we would love you to come with us for the ride. Cool, cool, love it. Um, what do you want your snow sport legacy to be? Ooh, ooh, that's interesting. Um, I uh uh maybe uh, maybe he was a bit silly and old, but he did do a backflip. No, I no, that's not true. Mm -hmm. I won't do that because I've I've been told not to do it. And no. um, uh, Andy Bennett, who was our technique editor for a while, said, "Please, please, never do that, Dicky. Otherwise, something terrible, terrible will happen, and you'll cost the NHS a lot of money." So, um, so, so it's not going to be that. It's going to be Snowsport Legacy. I think it's um, uh, in uh, it, it's a sort of message of inspiration and uh, and there, and. And I was going to sort of with slightly worthy re realism, um, trying to think hard about what you're doing and all that sort of stuff. But I, I think probably an insp okay inspiration about not just the skiing but the environment which you're skiing in. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yes. And uh, my final question is then: uh, Who do you think a legend is, and why? Ooh. Well. Very interesting. What a skiing legend! Doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. Uh, well, okay. Um, you referred to my bookcase earlier, and uh, I think somebody who is a legend because of the the wonderful, gentle but relentless inspiration they've created is a guy called Bill Bryson, who a lot of people will have heard of, uh, who's an American author who lives now in the UK. And he is, he is sort of redefining travel writing and how to talk. I do love the American style of writing, actually, that kind of chummy get with it thing. But then he tweaked it and, 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 and did it. And so I think if you wanted, if you wanted a legend in, in uh, environments in which I've worked in and, and have huge admiration for, I would say Bill Bryson would be, uh, would be one for me. He's, um, he really has done a huge amount for uh, for making people just want to get out, want, want make people want to read in the first place, and then want to go and do some of the stuff that he's been to. And he's never been anywhere that's terribly complicated or hard. You know, he'd be the first person to admit that. So uh, I think that's uh, wonderful. Brilliant, love it. Um, so now, if people want to know more about you, want to know more about Fall Line, want to know about all the different things, if they want to get a subscription, because you did mention that, uh, where, where where can they find out about you and uh, the team? Right. And what you uh, that would be uh, fall-line.co.uk. Now, that is not when we phone everybody up, they go, Fall Line, that's like a number four. No, it's not. It's fall, as in like falling down a hill, which is, or the fall line, which is what it's actually named after, which is the fastest way, the most direct way down the hill um so uh yeah fall-line.co.uk and then we're also on instagram and all that sort of stuff as well well brilliant we'll put all the links and everything in, in the show notes as well but uh that's cool i'm so pleased that we managed to get technology to work uh in an old school way and uh for us to chat because i really appreciate it. i mean our paths have crossed over the years at ski tests and all sorts of different industry things but i'm really pleased to have had the opportunity to sit down and actually have a, a bit of a chat with you not only about your background but about uh, the magazine and everything like that so i really appreciate it and i hope uh 
listeners and people who are out there enjoy it as well and uh, click on and uh, you know support you and the work that you guys are doing so thank you so very no, much cheers for, well, thanks for a lot for do. putting these together and uh, yeah it's uh, it's always a joy the industry is full of people who are really really good to bump into so it's it's nice to uh, to uh, to do that uh, online as well which i think we've kind of vaguely managed through the sea through the uh, through, through the time but not enough not enough yeah Exactly. I, I agree. One last thing, actually, I was thinking you probably might need to share with us before, uh, you know, we put up online would be your, your recipe for a bombardier. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll, um, do I need to, I need to send that to you really, don't I? I'm just trying to think. Yeah. Send, send it to me. We'll put it up, but we'll yeah, put it with perfect. the show notes. Okay. I'll get that All right. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Will you take care? Have yourself a yeah. great evening. Hey, cheers, Phil. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Legends of the Brand. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Listen, drop us an email at info at legendsofthebrand.com. That's info at legendsofthebrand.com if you'd like to reach out and get in touch. And make sure to check out the show notes also at all the W's at legendsofthebrand.com. Take care. Have a great day. Bye-bye.